I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 1 verses 3 through 8, Christian Standard Bible Translation. Welcome back to From Hevel to Eternity. I'm Brian, and this is my Bible study podcast. We are currently on episode 5 of our walk through the books of Ecclesiastes and Philippians. These books in this study broadly cover key questions that many of us ask. What do we find our identity in? What is the meaning of life and all the things that we do in this life? And then most importantly, who is the singular person that can provide us with lasting eternal joy? This week we're talking about work and the idea of what we're working toward as we toil in this life. Last episode we covered a passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We talked through the futility of finding our identities in our work. Today we're in the book of Philippians. We're covering Philippians chapter 1 verses 3 through 8. We're continuing to talk about work and identity, but we'll be pivoting to work for the gospel, to God's working in us, and to how all of that circles back to finding true joy through God. Tony Morita and Francis Chan in their commentary on Philippians note that in Philippians 1 through through 8, Paul displays his vibrant communion with Christ and his personal love for the Philippian community. I pray that this episode helps encourage us in our relationship with Christ and with our communities, that it helps increase our joy as we labor in love for the advancement of the gospel. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Philippians 1, 3 through 5. Joy and the idea of rejoicing are huge themes in this letter. The words for joy and rejoice, they're used 12 times in just these four short chapters. So remember that Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. It's a church he planted back in Acts chapter 16, and it probably includes people that he's very excited to hear have grown in their faith. The NLT translates verse 3, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Paul is praying for them, but he's praying for them with a joy for them because of their work in the gospel and their growth as believers. Paul made a point of this in his letters to the churches that he planted. For instance, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, Paul declares, For who is our hope or, or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Charles Spurgeon says we pray for those that err, but do we pray for those who stand firm? Tony Morita reminds us, don't look for perfection before you show gratitude. 
look for evidences of grace in people's lives. So do you ever pray prayers of joy for the growth or the steadfastness of believers that you know? Paul made a habit of it. He encourages us to make a habit of it. We also need to note that Paul's joy isn't rooted in just liking the people that he's writing to. His joy is based in the gospel relationships that he's formed with them. Because of your partnership in the gospel, he says. So it all goes back to work. Paul isn't saying you can pray with joy because you said that you loved Jesus and then sat back idly and content. Like there's a partnership, a supportiveness, a missional motivation at the Church of Philippi that allows Paul to pray with the joy that he has. Because of that relationship, he can pray prayers of thanksgiving and joy. We'll find out in the next section that it's a joy that's rooted in the gospel and a joy rooted in God working through his people. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.6 So any discussion of work should first and foremost start with God's work in us. If you are a Christian, then the Spirit of God is at work in you each and every day. There are two churchy words, justification and sanctification. Justification occurs the moment that you're saved. It's a one-time thing. Sanctification is the ongoing process every moment after you were saved of the Holy Spirit working in you to grow and mature your faith. Here Paul is talking about their sanctification, the process of God the Spirit starting, working, and eventually completing what he calls a good work in you. Paul was confident that the mechanism working within these believers to transform them at Philippi, it was a divine work. 2 Corinthians 3 verses 18 and 19 say, We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. So here we also get this patient yet eager expectation. Like Paul says that he is sure the work in them will be brought to a completeness by God. But he also says that this won't be completely finished until the day of Christ Jesus' return. It's not about praying for God to work in us while we are idle. It's not about praying for God to just hurry up and finish his work in us right now. As Christians, we live in the not yet and the right now. We have to live with an active patience while still being confident in the future outcome. And these mindsets should also affect how we look at other believers. All Christians that you interact with in this world are on the journey somewhere between the start and the finish line. Like we might all be at different places on the road, but we ain't nobody finished yet. So we're all just kind of still growing. It goes back to the concept of not expecting perfection, but praising growth. And then once we grasp that, we can also be confident that what God begins in us, he will perfect. Spurgeon says the top and the bottom of it is that our confidence in one another must be confidence in God, and our confidence in ourselves must rest in God also. In Hebrews 12.2, we get that Jesus is both the initiator and the perfecter of our faith. And in 1 Corinthians 1.8, we read that it's God who will sustain us to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
In Psalm 138, verse 9, the psalmist pleads, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Lord, your faithful love endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. So Paul is encouraging us to have confidence that God will not abandon that work, but he will bring it to completion one day. And that's a really powerful message. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Philippians 1.7 So here we are reminded of just how amazing Paul's joy and rejoicing truly are. Paul, currently sitting in a Roman prison cell, and the Philippians standing firm with Paul despite that. Adeyemo notes that there's a Togo proverb, and in the proverb says, It is when you shake hands that you discover who is left-handed, meaning, per Adeyemo, that events reveal people's true nature. And the Philippians proved that they were true friends by standing with Paul in the cause of the gospel, despite his imprisonment. The church at Philippi were not supporting the gospel because it was the easy or the popular thing to do. They were striving forward, working to advance the gospel through toil and perseverance. We are saved through faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. But we display our salvation to others through our faithfulness and our character. The Philippians displayed their character by supporting Paul. They sent care packages to him during his imprisonment. And I'm not a Roman prison expert or anything, but I imagine that if they didn't like Christians, arrested and imprisoned Christians, and then murdered Christians at certain points, that a group of Christians sending a care package to an imprisoned Christian in the heart of Rome, it was probably a risky endeavor. Like, doing that showed their character. Also, the Philippians showed their faithfulness to the gospel. They taught Christ and him crucified, they fostered gospel relationships with people, and they were maturing in their faith. Like their work was spurned on by the gospel. And then their faith and their fruit ended up being in sync because their identity was on point. So to circle back to the concurrent study for a minute, Monday we talked about having a biblical perspective for our work and our identity. Here we get the image that the Philippians had that proper biblical perspective. Their identity was founded in Christ and his work, and because of that, they could work for the gospel in a way that produced joy and steadfastness. Matthew Henry notes that the highest honor is to be servants of Christ, to be working for him and from an identity founded in him. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.8 So we close out this section of the letter from Paul with affection. Specifically how he misses them, but with the affection of Christ Jesus. Everything Paul writes is rooted in Christ. That's deep. Just think about that. To miss someone with the affection of Jesus. It's a reminder to them not just of the affection that Paul might have had, but of the affection that Jesus has for them, the affection that Jesus has for all believers. This is an encouraging word, especially when talking about striving forward, growing, and working for the gospel. 
We can trust in building an identity on Christ because we can trust that the Spirit is working in us and that Jesus has this great, genuine affection for us. And so, generate gospel relationships that create joy. Pray prayers of joyful thanksgiving for the growth and steadfastness of believers around you. Have confidence in God working in you. Strive forward in your work and your toil, working to advance the gospel through your character and your faithfulness. And then rest in Jesus, who is filled with affection for us, an affection and a love that he displayed for us on the cross. Thanks for listening. Unless otherwise noted, all Bible verses were from the Christian Standard Bible or the CSB translation, copyright 2017 by Holman Bible Publishers. Next week, we're going to be chatting about the aims of wisdom and knowledge and discernment and how our identity shapes what we might hope for out of those things. Next episode, we'll cover Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Until next time, I love y'all.